thunder sound. Yeah. Behold, brothers and sisters, gather round as we lament the loss of our dear civilization. This is blurry photos. To those who are hearing this in the far distant future, perhaps alien archaeologists, this represents the pinnacle of mankind's achievements. Repent! Repent and be saved! For lo, I am David Flora. And I am the broken remains of David Stacko. I never have an adjective for myself. And I, <laughs> I do it to myself every time. Every time I have every opportunity to call myself something and I just say my name. Uh, well, you don't spend as much time thinking about yourself as I do. <laughs> uh, You're a victim debatable. of your well-adjustment. <laughs> Not me. I can't do anything but think of cool adjectives for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, my world's coming to an end. Oh, you and me, brother. You and me both. Am I right? No. Uh. <laughs> I one of these one of these uh, episodes. I'm going to strong arm in a an adjective uh, in in post production. Post production. <laughs> so it's going to be like, "Lo, everyone, I'm the magnanimous David Flora." <laughs> Please let your amygdala do the do the the post production. Hey, you guys. <laughs> oh man, um, well you better hurry cuz uh not much time left. TikTok. Uh hope everyone's doing all right in their final days. In these the waning hours of this dream we've <laughs> called a life. Uh that's right. This uh this podcast huge giant Huge! I mean, it's it's a popular thing, and we actually we work really hard to kind of to dig to pick at the weirder corners of the of the weird mm-hmm. tapestry. But this is this we cannot ignore. No, this is uh, so ubiquitous in culture mm-hmm. and uh, uh, our modern age of uh, all the flashes and beeps and bloops and yep. <laughs> you can't sneeze on a chicken without hearing about the apocalypse. You can't swing a dead cat without yep. hearing about the Armageddon's. So uh, that's right. This is our. A podcalypse episode. Oh, that is good. That doesn't count, though. You still owe me puns later. I, I got you. All right. I'll, I'll pay you in spades, my friend. <laughs> You'll wish I didn't have them. Uh, yeah, so this week we are discussing uh, in, in glorious, miraculous, two-part Omnivision. <laughs> now in Technicolor. But, but that's entirely up to you and the ability of your imagination to imagine what we're saying in color. <laughs> And in uh, more than two dimensions, yeah, perhaps even more than three. Whoa, yeah. Let's uh, let's jump in this thing. Uh, as you said, two parter. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Oh man, and this is this is huge. This is it. This is us explaining why you will not be here in a month's time. <laughs> the apocalypse. That's the old uh, familiar term for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. The apocalypse uh, refers to a revelation of something hidden. That's that's a classic meaning. Or, or something of a hidden meaning. Today, it's pretty commonly referring to uh, prophecies about an end time. Yeah. Usually, usually, and believe me, we're going to get into everything else, usually a biblical in nature. Yeah. Yeah, a biblical, some kind of, or some kind of religion. Yeah. Uh, apocalypticism is uh, a fostering of the belief that the world will end very soon. Also the next album by Lady Gaga. Right. And uh, and probably within one's own lifetime. Yeah, 
everyone is positive that they are just they're the last people in line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are not. And this the, the one of the interesting things that I've learned about this. We're not the we're we're, we're not like the the chosen one. Like it's every single generation has dealt with this crushing belief that we are the last people on earth. Right. I I want you. It makes you wonder though if there was a time it's just not recorded that people were sitting around like man life's good. <laughs> Nothing to worry about here. Yeah, just gonna work, yeah. retire, learn, I, learn an instrument. I think things will just keep continuing as they are. Yep, no change is imminent. Hey, help me build this temple. We'll call it Gobekli Tepe. Boom. This is all dealing with a thing called eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Uh, it's concerned with what are believed to be the final events of history or the ultimate destiny of humanity. Eschatology. Mm-hmm. That is a word. If you drop it in the office, you are instantly an expert. Yep. No one knows it. And when you say it, you claim the right. So clip and save. That's right. Uh, a lot of times it'll pertain to uh, a prophecy, a messiah, death, judgment, uh, reunion with the divine. Which is another way of saying death. Yeah. And judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of apocalyptic literature deals with large-scale change. Mm-hmm. It also uh, can deal with the end of reality as we know it, uh, the start of something new in terms of uh, living or thinking or existing. These come via war or violent destruction, uh, a deity's intervention, a confrontation between good and evil, or a uh, change in consciousness, if you want to raise your vibration. Yeah. This is everyone's. Uh, this is everyone's big free ticket for ascension. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Or if you're the wicked, your ticket to descension. Blah, blah, red light, honking horn, and now you don't understand why you're going down the slide, and it's getting hotter and hotter and more humid. It's not even a dry heat. Oh, that's the worst. That's you're right. Just gonna end up in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just kidding. I lived in Florida for a while. So you're not kidding at all. <laughs> the uh, the vast majority of eschatologies uh, see the apocalypse as something good uh, in the sense that it uh, changes or, or cleanses things for, hmm. uh, you know, a better age to come. Yeah. I, no? I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, I... I mean, I, I see their perspective on that. I mean, the Christians had the millennial age, and there's like a cleansing kind of. There's this this repeated theme of a cleansing of the earth, or mm-hmm. a, or a reductionism to a simpler time. Right. But I I think that anyone who got what they quote unquote wanted would be sorely disappointed by what's in the box. <laughs> I'm going to go through. Uh, if you've got your seatbelt on, I'm going to go through a list of. Modern apocalyptic scenarios. Oh, thank you. All now, right. And when you say modern, do you what, what do you mean by that? I mean things that could happen right now to to us. Okay. At any time. Uh, all right. You ready? I, I, I'd like to believe I am, but probably not. Probably not. Nuclear warfare, pandemic disease, alien attack, impact of a celestial object, cybernetic revolt, technological singularity, dysgenics, divine judgment, climate change, resource depletion, ecological collapse, and the inevitable Nazis from Hollow Earth. Any of which could happen right now. Um, I'd like to thank you, first of all, for editing out all of my sobbing. I did not realize things were that bad. It's been three days... And now I think we're ready to continue. <laughs> you can't, you can't hear it, but I've a, a grown a beard. <laughs> no, they can hear it. <laughs> yeah, that is the, the one of my the, when in in the course of of researching this, 
And as, as anyone listening to this can imagine, the internet is built for two things. <laughs> the first and foremost, as always, is pornography. Uh-huh. The second of all is to catalog the ways and means by which our society either could, should, will, or will be saved from its demise. Right. I chose personally to kind of research more of the things on your list that you just read. The things that are very, not only could happen, but in some cases are extraordinarily likely to happen. Yep. I like the more tangible threats to my existence and the existence as a society. And so those are the things that I like to look at. I So I did I did more of my research on the things that you just listed as opposed to like the, the religious or spiritual, uh, your more traditional apocalypti. Right. The, uh, uh, the working man's uh, <laughs> apocalyptic scenarios. These are the things I research aren't your grandparents' <laughs> apocalypses. These are new and hip. Some of them drink gogurt. <laughs> do you drink gogurt or Why? eat it or just choke on it? Why do you get near it? Because um, <laughs> you're cool and you're on the go. You probably have two skateboards. <laughs> so uh, nuclear warfare, we all know. We we know oh, it. We love it. We, we're right. trying uh, uh, to listen to all the alien people mm-hmm. tell us not to do it. Pandemic disease. They get pretty scary with that, saying what could happen and how fast and... Oh, yeah, the transmission rates, the disease modeling. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a weird balancing act because people, when they, when they look at, at the idea of a pandemic virus or bacteriophage or something like that, when people look at those things, they, they kind of, without meaning to, they bring their luggage to the party. If people want to be afraid of it, they want to be like, oh, no, we could die at any second, if that's kind of their, their aim... It's very easy to say, well, you know, look at the the Spanish flu Mm -hmm. epidemic in the early 20th century. So bad that it's actually not in history books. People just were done with it and people don't talk about it anymore. (laughs) But but the the death rates are phenomenal for it. And one of the reasons why it was so very bad is it was in the run-up to World War I, where every large country in Europe and in the U.S., were putting all of their people together. They were they were barracksing soldiers and moving them around on trains, and mm-hmm. so there was a while. And the world while, was getting more interconnected too. Exactly. So while the Spanish flu was a terrible disease, human beings were literally doing everything they could to help it by putting people into these con- concentrated areas and then redistributing them to more other concentrated areas. Right. I, I honestly couldn't even think of a more effective way of distributing a disease. Also, you're just coming off of, in the Civil War, when they were just figuring out to wash their hands and tools mm-hmm. and stuff and hygiene, you know? That. Oh, and the, 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 the race to isolate the cause of the Spanish flu uh, is, is fascinating. And I've, I've read a bunch about it. I love reading medical history. Hmm. Uh, and it's a cool, fascinating subject on these guys who, who research these diseases. And it's, so much of it happened at the, the turn of the 20th century. But you have to balance those things. Yes, we are, we are far more mobile now than we ever were before. Mm-hmm. But we also have a far better understanding of what makes us sick. There's mm-hmm. no guessing. We know very quickly if things are bacterial or virological or even prions. That's a pretty new one. Prions. Prion disease. Is that a Toyota? It is. It is. It's what you get for driving uh, hybrid cars. It, uh, notable side effects are a smug sense of self-satisfaction. <laughs> and uh, uh, odorless flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like Critzfield Jacob, you know, that's a new classification disease. But our ability to, to diagnose, like our technology allows us such a faster response to diseases that while there are things... 
that are still terrifying. I mean, we still have outbreaks of Ebola or or Marburg, you know, these these awful hemorrhagic fevers around the world. Mm -hmm. But we are far better at fighting them than we were before. We would never in a million years say, oh, there's a, a dangerous flu strain. Well, let's just put all the soldiers here and... And and we'll burn some naphtha candles and hope that gets rid of it. Here, you know, have a pet monkey. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're so those those the risks of a of a of a more mobile society, a, a globally mobile society, are largely balanced. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a World Health Organization. We have individual health organizations that do a very good job of cooperating with each other. So while it is very possible that something could spread so quickly through a major metropolitan area, I'm by no means saying, oh, we're safe, that could never happen. There, we're, we're much better at fighting it. And I feel like that, that very strongly mitigates the effect of virus, whose means of, of progression, I mean, we know how viruses replicate, and we, we can very quickly determine how effective a virus is and how, how it does propagate mm -hmm. itself. So we're pretty, good at, we're pretty good at identifying those things early on and sequestering them. Now, there are things that, like I said, prion disease, that's very new to us. That's, you know, 10 years old, 15 years old. You know, something like that, there's always something that could come out of left field that we've never oh, yeah. seen before. Or mutate. Like... Or, or mutate, absolutely, like a new strain of something. But I think, personally, I think that we're at a much higher risk, uh, especially in the U.S., of a badly done inoculation campaign or something like mm -hmm. that, which is not to say you shouldn't get inoculated. You should get your get well, shots. There was a... Uh, a recent outbreak of meningitis from that. Absolutely, yeah. The, the meningitis is a good example of that. I think that we're at more risk from ourselves than we are from the natural world. Yeah. Which is what the rest of this list discusses. I mean, right. things like nuclear war are a constant threat, but it's almost its own breaks. Yeah. I mean, the, the, we have been, as a, as a global society, as a species, on the brink of nuclear war a handful of times. And... We just know how it ends. Everybody knows how it ends, which isn't to say at some point, uh, hopefully never, that some complete lunatic would get his hands on such a weapon. Yeah. But everyone, every person knows how that ends for everyone. Everyone can now blow up everyone, so it's no point. There's no point <laughs> in blowing up anybody. Right. So I, I don't... The hipster don't... thing would be to uh, be cool. <laughs> yeah. Just, just chill. <laughs> I was never like a uh, a particularly globally concerned kid, but I do remember being in a junior high in high school right after the dissolution of the Soviet Union going, you know, they they did track down all those those trucks with nukes on them, right? They they know where all those are. Cuz things were real loosey-goosey for a couple of years, and I remember being really concerned about that. The answer's no. Yeah. Um <laughs> What do you think about uh the next one on the list, alien attack? Alien attack would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Alien attack would be awesome because, hey, aliens. Other things that would be awesome about it, it wouldn't last long because we wouldn't last long. True. Unless they wanted to enslave us. Can't imagine they would. Seems like a lot of work. But on the other hand, it's entirely possible. I mean, we're functionally confined to this planet right now. Mm -hmm. We can attempt to go to other places. And what's to keep an alien from quote-unquote enslaving us just saying, hey, you're all ours now. You just can't leave the planet. Yeah. You know, it could just be a territorial grab. Yeah. You know, what if what if we were to, you know, conquer a country of people that refuse to leave their town? Then you just announce that you've that they're yours and then no one in the town cares. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that, that could go so many weird ways. Sure. I don't Well, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Impact of a celestial object. I don't think that would happen. Okay. 
I mean, I, I mean, the, the possibility is always there. Mm-hmm. This planet has been around for a very long time. We've had plenty of time to clear our orbital path. While we do historically and have received what is, I think, a six extinction level impacts to this planet, and I and I know that especially right now, I, I read a whole article about this. How we are uniquely ill-equipped to deal with something like that. Were we to locate a large object heading straight for Earth, I think they would say, well, we have maybe about six months warning on that. Mm. And as it stands right now, we actually don't really have the capability of, of launching uh, something to intercept that. We, right. we don't have. We're, we're kind of between space programs at the moment. <laughs> But we don't really have the capability of intercepting that. I think that there are certain things that don't merit concern because either they could absolutely happen or they absolutely will never happen. Yeah. Alien attack being one of them. Impact by a meteor. I mean, these are the things that are just guided by weird fate. Might might happen right now. It could be happening as we speak and we just don't know it yet. Yeah. Or it could never, ever, ever happen. In I our mean, lifetimes or ever? I mean, just ever. Mm-hmm. We, you know, how... I mean, that's true. It, it, space is big. Right, space is inordinately <laughs> big. And these impacts are probably fairly common in the early planetary formation, but a, a planet does sweep out its uh-huh, orbit. Uh-huh. And w- now, granted, in the gigantic celestial universe as it, as it is, we're not static. We don't just keep going in the same circle. We don't keep literally treading over the same ground. Right. You know, the, the galaxy itself is in an orbit around a, a, a universal core. You know, everything's moving. Mm-hmm. So we are always in a different area. But regionally, I think we've largely swept the big players out of the field. Yeah. And there are some efforts. It gets continually funded worse and worse. But there are efforts to detect near-Earth objects, things yeah. that will potentially mess with our lives. Right. But I, I, I don't put... The, that's not one of the things that I concern myself so much with. Yeah, Hollywood does. Yeah, well... It does it I mean, for you. Yeah, but we fixed it. <laughs> with Morgan Freeman. That's right. Oh, yeah. What was it? So, wait, was... Uh, which one did Morgan Freeman say? I think one? Deep Impact. Deep Impact, President Morgan Freeman. Yeah. That was a great one. I, the scene where Terry Leone gets obliterated on the beach. It was awesome. I like Terry Leone. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, that... I mean, Armageddon, they did so much good scientific research... <laughs> When putting that movie together. And I was really surprised. I mean, they really dotted all the T's and crossed all the I's. Lowercase J's. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that that was a great, terrible movie. I will say one thing that they got really solid on, on Armageddon is uh, Russian cosmonauts are absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was in Antarctica, the Russians have a, a base there called Vostok. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules, one of their training guidelines for cosmonauts is they have to do like this really long stint at the Russian Antarctic Station, the Vostok, which is not an easy station to live at. And all of those guys come out of that thing bug house nuts. And when I was in McMurdo, when I was shipping back home, there was a bunch of these Russian guys there who were also shipping back home. They had just finished their prolonged stint. And they it took it like 24 hours for them all to get confined to quarters for just getting drunk and just raising hell and being absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. So that's the part that they got right in Armageddon. That's my oh, little two-bit speech about Russian cosmonauts. How about uh, Cybernetic Revolt? Oh, see, that's one that I like because <laughs> that's one that we're building. We are working so hard to make that happen. Yep. We are, I mean, in, in this is... Absolutely, in our lifetimes. Absolutely. These drones. Yeah. We don't have enough pilots for drones right now. And the way you fix that is by programming the drones to pilot themselves. We're, we already have autopiloting drones. Yeah. 
And they, you know, like like the beginning of every great movie, oh no, we have like an override. We have a right. shutdown. We, right. It's absolutely going to happen. I mean, and when I say within our lifetimes, if even if your lifetime is 10 more years, you're going to see it. Like, we're <laughs> going to see autonomous robots, military robots, destroying targets. And by mm-hmm. targets, I mean people. Right. Terminator style. Absolutely. Uh, and that, I don't think that they're going to become sentient. I don't think it would be like a Skynet thing. Yeah. I mean, AI... It kind of falls under that. I think that there will come a point at which AI is a genuine threat to us. Yeah. But what I see is when you create a bunch of computer-based autonomous systems, someone will find a way to hack that. Someone will find a way to gain control of that illicitly. And people, lots of people... his name is John Connor. Right. (laughs) And people will die. Lots of people will die as a result of that. And I think that the better you arm these things, the more people that will die. Now, on the heels of this, technological singularity... That's the good one. <laughs> that's the best that's the best quote unquote apocalypse there is. I mean when when there's no like the, the the singularity capital S that people talk about if you've never heard about it it's really cool to just google it and mm-hmm. just read a few articles here and there is the belief that we are going to within the next 100 years of our life or maybe longer I don't know that humans and technology and the internet and all these things will fuse in some manner right. whether we find a way to actually download a consciousness into an artificial network or we bring the network into ourselves mm-hmm. by means of implant that we can interface with it within our own skulls mm-hmm. where there is no necessary distinction between you and your computer and your network where your your body is a largely non-necessary thing right that we 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 are all electrical signals we travel where we want it's this this melding of of man and technology that people refer to as the singularity, which sounds pretty damned cool to me. Why that would be considered an apocalypse, I'm not entirely certain, but I know that anyone who fights it would have to be rounded up and killed or made into <laughs> slaves. So people get on the winning team now. <laughs> Beyond the right side of history, folks. Yeah, exactly. This is not a difficult call to make. How about uh, dysgenics? Yes! I did not know the phrase dysgenics until today, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And that is the belief that that over time, uh, through, and in some cases, it's poor diet, like we like the way we eat, the way we, we uh, comport ourselves. Fluoride. But um, we are changing in in for the worse we are we are, every generation is genetically worse off than the one before it through damage uh, spray tanning <laughs> you know all these things that we are becoming less functional genetically like our our actual genome is getting degraded over time right. uh i'm not i am conflicted on that well, i think that yeah what what, what do you think with with this one it's not a it's weird to put it in the apocalypse bucket because it's not something that happens quickly yeah now i i it sounds like i probably just shot myself in the foot because it's on the list but i was taking the list from a a, a place a, a site that was you know just listing mm-hmm. all the possibilities and i think they they were probably thinking long haul on all this stuff you know what are all the things that are happening right in, in modern day uh and this could you know it, it could really wreak havoc upon humanity by basically making the population just functionally inept now i and, and that's it's such a hard thing to to isolate i mean is that a cultural ineptitude is that a, a lack of overall like a, an idiocracy kind of thing that's or? i think what it is yeah it's uh you know um plants uh plants love electrolytes <laughs> you know it's what makes them grow 
I'd you like to make you strong? Plant hard. Um, I, I would watch, absolutely, I would watch a show called Ow My Balls. Um, but I, I, that's, that's a hard thing. Is that a social problem? Is that an actual biological issue? My belief is that one of the great things about having the ability to be self-aware, as humans are, mm-hmm. that lets us do virtually anything we feel like, good or bad or indifferent, I think that that takes the reins of evolution. I don't think that we need to worry about our, our genetic evolution anymore because we can literally correct it. Oh, yeah. We are the only animals on Earth that can say, you know what, this is how we're doing it from now on because we don't like the fact that we only have five fingers on each hand and seven would be way cooler. Yeah. We can literally fix that right. if we are so inclined. So I, I think if left to our own devices, yes. And there, there are some sort of examples of that. North and South Korea, the, the chronic lack of uh, food in North Korea um, means that their median height, their median mm. weight for both men and women, is significantly lower than for South Korean uh, men and women. Yeah. Just So you get, you get owing to whatever circumstances, in this case a terrible government, sure. but, um, that there are these regionalized genetic differences. And I'm, genetic isn't even the right word. You know, if, if these kids had all been fed properly growing up, they would be stronger and taller and, oh, yeah. and smarter. The, there is also there are a lot of cognitive problems that come from malnourishment. And so I think that you're going to see those things crop up around the world. I don't think that any time in the near future no. we're all going to join hands and fix these things. We're all going to join hands and turn the Jersey Shore on. Exactly. I mean, that, I think that we here in good old North America will spend more money on penis pills and things that burn fat. And people in uh, you know South Central Asia are still going to need polio vaccines and yeah. things like that. Um, how about divine judgment? We're going to go over that here. Yeah, I think that that's really, uh, I think you did a lot of great work on divine judgment. I have done everything I can in my life to incur the wrath of the Lord our God, whoever you consider that to be. So I do consider that something of an inevitability, but I think it's going to be doled down on a much more case-by-case basis. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that I will be singled out for my crimes and punished accordingly. How about climate change? That, again, is something that is absolutely happening. Bad news. Sorry, everybody. That's happening. Yep. Um, sea levels are rising. Yeah. Ice is melting. And this the climate change is a, a, a magnificently sticky wicket in that it actually starts to eke into some of our other apocalypses. This apocalypti. Sure. Not only do you get the problems of coastal flooding, mm-hmm. uh, crazy rainstorms, the amount of energy, the, the way that changes the weather patterns on the earth. You get crazy storms, which we've already started to get, uh, coastal flooding. We, we, we will lose cities. Portions of the land will be gone forever. See you, New Orleans. Yeah. Bye-bye, Atlantic City. <laughs> and then the secondary effects of that, when you get a lot of uh, coastal flooding and you get the temperate zone on the globe becoming broader... It is now warmer farther north and farther south of the equator. More rain. You get more rain, but that also increases um, the range of disease-carrying insects. Mm. Uh, now, this is actually what I studied in college. Of the, the, the many times that I wasted in the terrible classes I took, what I ended up with was a degree in insects that carry infectious disease. And so you see things like dengue fever, yellow fever, malaria. These things West spread Nile. West Nile encephalitis, absolutely. That's like the the most recent fun thing to hit the U.S. But these these diseases have not been eradicated. 
They are at best regionally controlled, but they still kill millions of people. It is a huge problem. And when these diseases start showing up in areas that are not equipped to deal with it anymore, that used to, I mean, the Tennessee Valley Authority drained the entire basin around the turn of the century, eliminating yellow fever from a huge port from the southeastern U.S. Mm -hmm. When those diseases come back, those areas that haven't seen them in forever have no ability to combat them. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. so you get huge amounts of deaths from that. And these, these domino effects from a huge change in climate are so far-reaching. That's just one example. Yeah. Uh, even geologically, the redistribution of that much mass, of, the, of a melting polar ice cap, of that much mass, literally deforms the Earth itself and mm. changes the manner in which the tectonic plates move. It can actually trigger huge cataclysmic earthquakes and again, that's those things happen on a geological time scale. We'll yeah. never see, oh, a tectonic plate fly to this direction. You know, South America and Africa aren't going to crash into each other. Right. But you will see um, more earthquakes. That that those things will happen, literally as a result of global warming. Mm-hmm. And the the holes at the poles will open up for sure. A- absolutely. <laughs> and we'll all ride our kayaks to safety. <laughs> I can already taste that giant grape they've got waiting for me. <laughs> We also have resource depletion and ecological collapse, which I think go hand in hand in a way. Oh, absolutely. I think that China has had for such a long time limits on their own nation's population to keep the number of people down. Very few other countries do right. whatsoever, and we just keep we just keep breeding, and we are already over pillaging the planet. It mm-hmm. is this planet is not an internal free lunch buffet. Right. And I think that I mean maybe it's cynical. I don't think we'll it ever will ever stop. Uh, I read a great book by Jared Diamond, the guy who wrote Gun Germs and Steel. Mm. Um he wrote a book called Collapse and it's about different societies historically on the earth and how they collapsed. Like what what brought them to their end? They were very stable for hundreds of years and then they ended. Right. Why and how that came about? And one of the really interesting things is the uh, Polynesian Islands in the uh, the South Pacific. They had a huge, they, 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 these giant boats that were the, the backbone of their society. It allowed mm-hmm. them to travel between the islands. It allowed them to fish in deeper waters to bring in more food. But they chopped too many of them down. This, this one very specific uh, species of palm tree, which is now extinct, that would grow very fast. And they could make these giant boats out of it. And, and he raises this amazing question of, it's like, what? What was the guy thinking as he cut the last one down? As he looked around this whole island and saw but one tall tree left and cut it down. And that, I think, is a perfect example of how people are. (laughs) People just think it'll work out. They just think that, oh, well, you know, something will come around. We, the world owes us this. Yeah. This can't be the last one. (laughs) But it is. And there are the last one of everything. And it, and it's, if you haven't read it, it's a great book. But the, uh, it is a, a tragic, failing of of human beings regardless of what country or part of the globe you're from that we just don't stop we just don't figure it out consume consume absolutely and while there are portions of the population that are very concerned with that and trying to save it and the highest of fives to them there are still more people who are poor and desperate that just you know maybe that last guy he's not a villain Maybe as he cut that tree down, he was crying, but his wife needs food and his kids are starving. And if he has this boat, he can go get more fish. Yeah. It's not even a, a, a Captain Planet. Like, there's no yeah, super it's villains It's not black here. and white. It never yeah, is. There's no super villains. There's just poor people who are doing whatever is available. You know, nobody grows up in Kenya going, God, 
welcome those elephants. <laughs> if it's the last thing I do to my last breath, I shall hunt thee. They're, 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 they're people who just need food and money. They need to survive in this world, and they end up doing whatever they can to do it. And that means that there's no more rhinos. Yeah. Now, this obviously is not a problem for the Nazis in the Hollow Earth that will eventually come out yeah. uh, in their advanced aircraft and uh, destroy destroy the world for uh, uh, the fatherland. Yeah, you know what? I think that uh, one thing that happened when we recorded our Hollow Earth episode, uh, we, it was actually a three-parter. Uh, the third part talking about the time the Nazis invaded the Hollow Earth, completely took it over, killed the giants, and turned all the giant fruit into uh, poisonous bombs. And yeah. They bred the super huge bats to drop upon major metropolitan areas. Immediately after recording that, we were visited by some reptilian Nazis who made it quite clear to us that people that we know and love would be uh, injured to the point of death were we to release part three, so we didn't do that. Right. So I can say on pretty good authority, yeah, Hollow Earth Nazis, that's happening. <laughs> oh, you're you're going for it now, huh? Well, they showed us. They showed us all their plans. That's a lie. They, there's no such thing as that. <laughs> oh, now you're redacting it. Well, Redact. I just got an email from them. <laughs> <laughs> Ping! Ping! <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's uh, those are all the modern apocalyptic scenarios. Well... The major, uh, I'm sure there are some crazy ones that are out there that we haven't even. Uh, oh well, there's to, you know but... there's there's one other one that is phenomenal that is not so imminent or maybe it is mm -hmm. Yellowstone National oh. Park. Yeah, that super volcano. Yeah, they were doing some work. They had some geologists in at Yellowstone years back trying to determine how, you know, where, where the volcano is and where the caldera is. And they couldn't find the caldera. And they thought, well, this is really unique. We've got this huge volcanic area, but we can't find the caldera. Uh, some swell folks from NASA sent over some of their satellite imagery because they thought it was cool looking. You know, there's so many you know, sulfur dioxides and there's mm -hmm. yellows and everything. And they just thought, hey, it was literally a, hey, we thought you guys think these, these pictures were pretty cool. You know, you could make postcards out of them. <laughs> They send over their, their satellite photography, and these guys, you know, it was like the, the really great moment in all those movies where someone just goes, Mother of God. <laughs> it turns out the entirety of Yellowstone National Park is the caldera of the volcano. And not until they saw the satellite imagery did they, they realize the size and scope of the volcano that they're dealing with. Now, uh, were this to erupt, it would cover all of North America in approximately one centimeter of ash. Mm -hmm. um, everyone within, say, a thousand miles, which is a fairly big radius, dead. Mm -hmm. That would kill all vegetation in North America, nuclear winter for decades. Mm -hmm. That would be as close, that would be a very near thing. That would pretty, that would come pretty close to uh, end of the end of the world. Right, right. That would, and it's, and it geologically erupts about every 600,000 years or so. Right. And their last, yeah, her last eruption was 640,000 years ago. So, on the bad side, she's definitely due for, for a booming. Mm -hmm. On the plus side, there's a lot of geologists believe that part of what makes Yellowstone such a fascinating area, you know, the geysers, is that it's a continual venting of these the volcanic gases mm -hmm. and pressures. So they think that maybe that's this is it's far less likely to erupt in the manner it used to before because it has a more regular venting schedule. Right. 
So it's it's a heck of a thing to realize that that you've been living on the back of a giant terrifying volcano. It's yeah, it is terrifying indeed. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know what a caldera is, uh, you think of your classic volcano as you know shooting up into the sky. Uh, and then having the little lake of lava, you know, in the ring yeah. and stuff, and then you throw in a virgin in. No, this this one is actually a, uh, a massive underground cavern that was hollowed out for one reason or another, but then filled with magma. Mm-hmm. And the pressure of of all that has just been, you know, just continually builds in this in this cavern, almost like a balloon. So you don't want to drill into it to relieve the pressure because then it would be like. Sticking a pin in a, in a balloon. <laughs> I just needed to relieve the pressure in the balloon. <laughs> right. Uh, so you got to find a way to untie it from the bottom. It's not going to happen. So that's why this is so, so freaky. Because this uh, it throws the world into one of these, like you said, nuclear winters. You know, where every, it, there's just a, a cloud in the sky that blocks out the sun. Which adds, you know, if if anything didn't get killed in the initial heat blast or the ash, oh yeah, then you've got the clouds that that will uh, blot out the sun, so nothing grows. Poisonous sulfur gas, the gas that comes along with it, poisoning I mean, the rivers. It's one of the biggest cases in the old worst case scenario. Yeah, and sadly enough, is one of the uh, more probable ones too. If you ever uh, read the book or saw the movie The Road, oh. This, it may, you know, something like that would be how life would probably end up. Yeah. Poor, and yeah. if you haven't read or seen that and you have a, a weak stomach, if you have a, <laughs> if you have just, a, if you have a medium stomach, I, I would advise against Or if you just, if you're a little bit down in the dumps, <laughs> stay away from it. So, this is the part where we just review movies now. <laughs> Here we go. What's the name of the guy? Carson McCollum or something? Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. Uh, Carolyn, <laughs> yeah, he, Cormac McCarthy wrote the the road. It, yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, it will harrow your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it, it's set in post apocalyptic times where there's it's it's just mostly all ash, rain all mm-hmm. the time, and uh, it's pretty sad. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, some modern apocalypse for you. Let's. Get in the old uh, time machine and go back to uh, talk about some eschatologies of the old major religions. Oh, man. There's that word again. I'm not kidding, people. Learn the word eschatology. Drop it on your friends. Because you know this is a huge office conversation. Yep. You're going to be talking about it. You drop this and people are just like, oh, man, he knows. Yeah. Or she knows. Probably statistically from what we've heard from RV Griffey back, (laughs) she knows. Buddhist eschatology. Buddhist eschatology speaks of the appearance of the next Buddha, uh, who's named Maitreya, preceded by an age of about 500 years, which in the Dark Ages was up to 5,000 years, (laughs) uh, of societal degeneration, uh, which means greed, lust, poverty, ill will, violence, murder, things like that will be prevalent. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) And everything will be uh, forgotten in in terms of uh, Buddhist teachings. The Dharma, uh, the Buddha himself, will even be forgotten. Uh, so when that when that all played its uh, its hand, uh, Maitreya will come back and go on to teach Dharma and bring enlightenment back to this plane of existence to establish an earthly paradise. Sounds good. Apparently, the uh, the scripture I, I read something about the scripture concerning Maitreya is 
uh, very much unlike any of the other scriptures uh, in in Buddhist literature. Uh, so there's there's a thought that it may have been uh, added afterwards, or or maybe it's been tampered with somehow to make it more apocalyptic. And oh, there's there's that weird. weird there's thought. somewhere a Buddhist at an editor's desk with a giant cigar going, Nah, nah, needs more pizzazz. We got to really reach out and grab them, get their attention. <laughs> Where's that Parker kid? I need some photographs. <laughs> Editor Buddhists. <laughs> so uh, the Buddha gave the Sermon of the Seven Sons, uh, in which he described uh, an apocalypse where seven suns would appear, as uh, suns as in stars, like mm-hmm. the sun. Uh, causing progressive ruin with each sun that appeared until the earth is basically engulfed by a vast inferno. So everything starts drying up and uh, everything starts wilting and dying and then everything starts <laughs> catching fire and basically melting into to molten fire. <laughs> That's really depressing. Everything well, just, and it's not even, it doesn't even have the, the, the sexiness of a, of a giant meteor impact. It's like, no, it's just, it just gets warmer. Yeah. And it gets warmer. And it gets warmer. <laughs> and then you die. But then it still keeps getting warmer. Yeah. That, uh, but that one has the number seven in it, which I uh, uh, mark that on, on your old post-it note. Yeah, exactly. We will come back to that. I don't know if you ever heard that seven is an important number, and none, so, none more important than in the end of days. Right. A lot of these eschatologies, a lot of similarities between them. So uh, just... Uh, no, uh, look out for patterns here. They're 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 going to be coming at you. Yeah, this is one of those kind of fun things where a lot of different uh, cultures and religions have a very similar underlying logic to what's going on. Yeah. So that's Buddhist, Buddhist eschatology. eschatology. Ooh, that, that had class a nice, it up a little. Yeah, that had a very Eastern mystic sound to it that I enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, let's go on to, uh, Hindu eschatology. Uh, repeating the word so that you don't forget it. I, I'm not f***ing around here. Remember the word. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> say eschatology. <laughs> so, uh, Hinduism believes that time is cyclical, mm-hmm. consisting of cycles known as kalpas. And, uh, follow me here. Uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> one one kalpa is one thousand Mahayugas. <laughs> uh, word is made up. A Mahayuga, if I if I'm getting this correctly, consists of, of four yugas, each broken down into to separate <laughs> sections, lasting many years but but different years, uh, a descending order like the first one has a million point like seven years. The next one has a million point three. The next one has like eight hundred thousand. Something you know, like so. Oh, there are four four yugas like that. Math, and um, I judge them for it. And they total around four point three two million years. That's a cycle of of uh, uh, of the yugas. They encompass a beginning of complete purity to descent into total decay. So the, <laughs> the first yuga is uh, when everything is pure and and self aware and, and great. And it just gets worse every day. And and yeah, yeah. How and depressing is that? It's believed we are in the last yuga right now, the Kali yuga, and humankind will ultimately be destroyed after degenerating into war and ignorance. And then the cycle will start anew, where everyone will come out and. Uh, uh, it'll be great. Uh, but at that time, 
the final incarnation of Vishnu, uh, who at that time will be called Kalki, will appear on a white horse, amassing an army of pious souls and destroying evil to begin Satya Yuga, the first of the, the Yuga cycles. To reset it again. Exactly. So we're just right now just, just wallowing in our own filth. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, That is is depressing. According to some Hindu, I guess, math about it, we've still got a good, like, 5,000 years to go in here. Some of them think we're we're right at the end of it, but some think that we've still got quite a ways. We we can still get a lot worse. Right. And in the Satya Yuga, people live for, like, 100,000 years. They don't really need, like, they they feed on spiritual energy, you know, they're, they're one with everything. But then in the Kali Yuga... It degenerates down to where people live to be 20 years old at at most. They're sexually mature at five. They're living in trees and caves. and That is is such a depressing perspective because no matter where you're at, it's just tomorrow's worse. (laughs) Yesterday was better. That's true. Think of how enlightening it would be if they had flipped it. Um, Yeah, I agree. You know, we're just, yeah, we're we're, we're here now and man, but tomorrow's going to be better and it's my job to make it better. Well, that's that's you know what next next podcast Dave's problems with Hindus. <laughs> uh, so the the yuga cycles are the Satya Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Devapara Yuga, and the Kali Yuga. All right, mm-hmm. great. That's uh, Hindu eschatology. Nice. I liked where you got with that one. I feel like I could do a little dance to it. <laughs> let's let's talk about our friends in uh, Islam and the eschatology that they have. Yeah, I would very. I'm very interested to hear this because I don't know anything about it, and I'll bet you it's fascinating. You know, strangely enough, not that far off from uh, from the Christian and uh, oh no stuff. no that can't be right. Sorry, that, it's perfectly balanced and 100 percent opposed to the Christian perspective. <laughs> uh, so it dis- it talks about. Al-Qiyama, or the Last Judgment, and that's described through 12 major signs, uh, along with many minor signs, of um, the coming judgment. Mm-hmm. Corruption and chaos reigns at the time of Al-Qiyama. There will be a battle between Ad-Dajjal, who is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the Antichrist, mm-hmm. and the Mahdi, who is the Guided One, or the Redeemer of Islam, and Isa, who is Jesus. Uh, a resurrection. No, wait. Let's let's just not blow past that that <laughs> signpost real quick. Do you mean literally Jesus or uh, their religious equivalent of Jesus? Literally Jesus. They believe that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He was taken up into heaven where he he lives currently, and he's going to come back to help the Mahdi to deliver the Islamic faithful from Ad-Dajjal. That is fascinating. I knew it. I knew I didn't know about so, it, and I knew I wanted to. Yeah, they I, they don't think he's the Messiah, per se, but mm-hmm. they think he's like, oh, he's a great prophet. He's a cool guy. He's he's going to be the sidekick. To and when it all goes down, phone. we're going to need him on our side. <laughs> Someone um, kicks the door in on Jesus' offices and says, hey, we need you for one last mission. I told you I was out. <laughs> I told you I was out. I haven't been on there. I haven't been down there for two thousand years, and they want me now. Jesus, our Dajjal is here. I God, <laughs> I knew he'd come back someday. They also have a resurrection of the dead and a judgment of the righteous and the wicked at that time. After it's all said and done, Here's feel some... kind of silly for fighting. <laughs> 
Here are some of the minor signs of the end times. There's a ton of minor signs, uh, but get here, pencils ready. Here are the uh, here are some highlights. Men wear silky clothes and marry other men. Ding. Women are more numerous than men. Ding. Inanimate objects speak. Ding. Siri, tell me a joke. I don't really know any good jokes. None, in fact. You dirty whore. Uh, that was my phone, talking. But there's a small spirit in there, or at least a demon, right? A djinn. <laughs> uh, so, some of the major signs. Uh, again, and, and I, I repeat, we're four for four minor signs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did not realize that, uh, that my telephone was a harbinger of the apocalypse. It, what isn't anymore? But um, when I saw the service contract, I can believe it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Uh, major signs. Mahdi appears on a white horse. The sun rises from the west. There's a trumpet sound. And humanity dies for 40 years. And then there's uh, uh, smoke in the sky for 40 days. And then a second trumpet sounds to resurrect the dead. Uh, and then they're, they're judged. So everyone's dead at the end of it. Then they all come back. Y- yeah. Hmm. I need to read more about that because that's interesting. It was really interesting to read uh, about this stuff. And like I said, strikingly similar to, to a lot of other major religions, you know? Uh, but you've got a white horse, which we have yep. already heard. You've got uh, trumpet sounds, which, dare I say, we'll hear later. Thunder sound. Ominous. So yeah, that's uh, that's quickly uh, Islamic. Islamic. I don't make you think. I thought that that, would re- this, that sound would remind me more of Aladdin, but it didn't. Uh, great. Let's go into uh, uh, Judaism. Yeah. The end of days uh, is called, and, and forgive me for the pronunciation, because a lot of, lot of places have what it's called. None of them have how to say it. No phonetic spellings. Aharet Hayamim. I thought that, was, that sounded great. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, in which tumultuous events will overturn the old world order, creating a new world order. What? When God rules everything and he is recognized by everyone. Uh, the Talmud states that the world as we know it will only exist for 6,000 years, beginning with Genesis in the Bible. Uh, that puts the end of time around uh, 2,240 Got a ways to go. Hmm. The main tenets of the end days. The Jews will return to Israel. God helps Israel defeat its enemies. A third temple in Jerusalem is built. A Jewish Messiah leads the people in a battle against Gog, king of Magog, at the Battle of Armageddon. Mm -hmm. The shofar sounds, which is a ram's horn. The dead are resurrected and they are judged. That's uh, that's basically it for... I've been to a few funerals where they blew a shofar. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we got a, we got the, a horn sounding. Yeah. You know, might as well be a trumpet. We get, uh, we get Armageddon in there. Gog and Magog. That one comes up some. The dead yeah. resurrected and judged. Yeah, now the Gog and Magog, we're going to get... We're, we're going to come back around to that again later. Mm-hmm. When we get to the kissing cousin of Judaism, Christianity. Christianity. Ever heard of it? <laughs> um, but yeah, the again, 
there's so many similarities here. It is. It is a little. It's. It's. It's fascinating, and it's all. I mean, is it? Does it seem depressing at the same time that there there is such an extraordinary amount of common ground, e- even in, theologically, mm. across these these beliefs? Depressing. You yeah. Said? Yeah. Because because this is such a point of contention for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just. I I don't know. It's like saying I'm mad at you for wearing a t-shirt. Uh, my t-shirt is better, right? And 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 the, the the thing that is truly sad is that I would imagine both sides are like, yeah, yeah. We're at the end of the days. We have to raise an army to fight you, and they're like, that's what we're saying too. Like yeah. they, everyone. Everyone thinks it's the other guy who they have to be fighting against. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now I I went really quickly through through these tenets, uh, and here of course it's it's stretched out quite a, uh, a bit um, mm. w- within there, but uh, these are these are the main highlights. And and again, we we see these over and over. They're the they're the same things that that come up uh, a lot. And that's uh, that's Jewish eschatology. <laughs> L'chaim. L'chaim. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So, what do you got next for us on on our on our international globe trotting tour of of cultures? How about staying in the Middle East and getting some Zoroastrianism? Ooh, that's exciting. Are you sure that's how that's pronounced? Uh, I've been told. <laughs> so, uh, this is the oldest eschatology in recorded history. Oh, see now that there we go. So this one's right. And, this is and the true one. This is the real one. This is base, the basis for many of the major religions, uh, uh, Christianity, Judaism, and, and Islam. The end of days uh, happens when days are shorter. The land uh, gets barren. Men are deceitful and vile. Uh, a dark cloud makes the whole sky night. And it will rain more noxious creatures than winter. There's a guy by the name of Salshunt, the man of peace who battles the forces of evil and triumphs by condemning them to an eternal existence in molten metal. And the final judgment will then commence with a resurrection, and souls will be reunited with God to live in immortality. That's amazing. I don't know anything about Zoroastrianism, but that that's... So that, that's the oldest one, so it's the right one. That's the way that works, right? <laughs> this, one, this one we'll get into later. I, I love that this... Mega episode is going to birth so many mini babies uh, mm-hmm. of stuff to talk about later. Yeah, uh, Zoroastrianism in particular is is right along the lines of the Anunnaki, which I I want to talk about eventually. Uh, the Anunnaki being uh, creatures who may have uh, created mankind to harvest uh, gold for them, monoatomic gold. <laughs> Zoroastrianism is a uh, uh, Mesopotamian. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's a lot to this um, that we we can cover later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it when when these things raise as many, if not more, questions than than we put to rest. Uh, but in this one, we also we get another resurrection. We mm-hmm. get uh, one dude coming in, saving the day, kind of thing. Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. Sans Tonto. I thought I thought it was really interesting. They mention a dark cloud makes the whole sky night. Yeah, you, just like the smoke, and it will rain more noxious creatures than winter. That that sounds pretty uh, nuclear winter to me. Yeah, that, absolutely that's cool. Uh, so that's uh, Zoroastrianism. Okay, now I know that you just made that one up because I, I mean, was that was that an actual cultural Zoroastrian sound? 
it was, uh, part of it was Gundam style. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it, there was a reason I started dancing. Oddly enough, somebody has thrown out there that uh, Gundam style was mentioned in a, a Nostradamus prophecy that the horsemen from the east will be fo- uh, followed by nine zeros and the end will come or something like that. And then it shows like him doing that little horse dance and then one billion views on his oh, video. Oh, God. <laughs> This is this. Is, I, I I just uh, I just stole the pie off the windowsill. Crazy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. We'll get to it. I got one more uh, Norse eschatology. Okay. And before before I think we we should break and and mm-hmm. go crack into some of the heavy hitters. That's right. So uh, Norse uh, mythology, you've got uh, a strong winter that comes on called Fimble Winter, and that brings disorder and war to the people of Midgard, which is. Uh, Earth, basically. Mm-hmm. And that happens just before Ragnarok. Uh, and Ragnarok is the, the twilight of the gods, or the end days of the gods. Also the coolest sounding of all the ends of days. Right. Uh, the gods all, all get together in battle against uh, the forces of chaos, uh, led by Loki and some monsters and giants. And Jotun. Don't forget the Jotun. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, it's a huge fight. Everybody dies, and the world is torn asunder. Uh, the earth ends up sinking into the sea, and eventually uh, land reappears, and there are some survive- a couple of surviving gods and-, and a man and a woman that survive to repopulate the earth. Mm. And they, they live in uh, uh, basically a golden time from then yeah. on. That is unique. We have not heard that one yet. Yeah. where it, it, It's almost like the beginning is put at the end for this one. Yeah. It's just the reset of everything. I, I love what happens in, in, in Norse mythology just in general, but for Ragnarok in particular, the, the final fight is uh, is just a, a mega... Yeah, it's all your favorite stars in yeah. the giant cage match. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, We're going to take the Earth and submerge it into the sea. Sea, sea, sea. But there's all kinds of imagery in there. You've got the... Uh, um, Jormungandr, the world serpent, comes out and Thor kills it, and then it's it's noxious. Thor versus Loki. Venom. Loki versus Jormungandr. Jormungandr versus Yarnt. <laughs> and Garm. <laughs> See the flaming sword of Surtur. <laughs> Molnir, Molnir, Molnir. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. So that's 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 pretty. That's one of the most badass. That uh, is the, the that is that is the the guy playing a guitar on a motorcycle <laughs> of all of these that I've heard. Also, not much to do with with mankind. This is yeah. mostly gods uh, in this. Sir, we wrecked your house with our brawl. <laughs> uh, we're still alive. Can we crash? Here? Yeah. So that's uh, that's Norse, Norse eschatology. eschatology. You put the guitar in it! Woo! Because it rocks. And a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did that to myself. Let's call it a day for, for now. I, get, I need a nap. <laughs> I was so much. You need to, to go and think about all the sins that you've committed. No, you go think about what you've done. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We got some, some part one puns? All right, let's, say, let's do it. Uh, I got uh, Big Al Kiyama is going out of business sale. Everything must go. What's the name? Big Al Kiyamas. <laughs> Big Al Kiyamas. 
This is going out of business sale. <laughs> I judge these prices to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Uh, you're gonna you're gonna hate to love this one. I've got a streetcar service named Trolley Yuga. <laughs> I like that. How long does it take you forever to get there? <laughs> Each ride is incrementally <laughs> shorter than the one before it. <laughs> okay, I've got one. Um, this is a Judaic internet joke site called Hilera Hayamim. <laughs> it's mostly uh, just meme jokes. <laughs> it's like Imger. <laughs> it is, but it's for, for Judaic jokes. <laughs> Hilera Hayamim. <laughs> I've got one more. Oh, sweet. I've got a gentleman's club called Maya Playa. Playa. (laughs) Not Maya Treya. Maya Playa. uh, uh, Again, a weak dismount. (laughs) It's a pun. What do you want? We're just lucky to make it off the horse. (laughs) We actually got a pun this week. Yes. Sweet, delicious puns. Here's the pun sound. Triumph of uh, children. Those children, they're so happy. Uh, as you see, you guys, you, you make children happy when you send puns <laughs> in. This one is from Kentucky native. Hey! What up? Holla. Holla, holla uh, Kentucky. Go um, go Bowling Green. <laughs> I don't know anything about Kentucky. I'm well, sorry. there is a Bowling Green in Kentucky. It's, it's good enough. Um, this, is, uh, this is a pun based on our uh, channeling episode. Sweet. And it says... It's a lamp reading shop called Light to Medium. Well done. <laughs> that, one, that, that, one, uh, that one bites off a couple puns in the same Yeah, way. it does. That's a compound pun. <laughs> well done. Yeah you, just, you, yeah, you just elevated our game. <laughs> Thank you. This is exactly that, that's, that's what we wanted that's to see happen. That's, that's how we learn. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that you've heard today, or perhaps would you like to correct any glaring inaccuracies about I'm... our quick cliff notes of your religious beliefs, <laughs> That's right. please tell us, because we don't have to be right. We just prefer to be right. Yeah, we would love that. This is a, this is a dense cookie to, to be gnawing mm-hmm. on here. So uh, if you have any corrections for us or, or anything to add in there that, that you think is cool, Send it our way via that contact form on blurryphotos.org. Huh. Like us on Facebook, please. Yeah, because we, we like you. We like you. We'll, we'll like whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a beef jerky podcast? Because I want to hear about it. That would be awesome. And, uh, um, yeah, subscribe on the uh, iTunes. We're available on iTunes. We're the only blurry photos on iTunes. Did you know that? There's no one even, no one even is trying to touch us. Search it. Mm-hmm. We're not lying. You can actually just put in blurry and we come up like when it autofills. It's great. It makes me feel important. And that's what I like about it. For now, though, we will leave you with glaring questions about what's coming next. Yeah, just sit there. Just hold tight. And don't worry, baby. We're coming back. We'll be back. I am the inestimable David Stecco. I said that first and I'm drawing it out so as to give you time to think of some excellent adjectives, David Flora. And your time is up. I'm the inconceivable David Flora. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Next time we're going to hit you with some uh, Christian eschatology and, and the big one. The big and Mayan, Mayan 2012 prophecies. The South American elephant in the room. 